Hello there. My name is Nenna Umello. I'm the founder and CEO of Black Hair Management. And Femtech to me is an opportunity for women of color to build organizations and solutions centered on the female experience. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode, I interview Nena Umello, the founder and CEO of Black Hair Management. Black Hair Management is a wellness brand with hair care for Black women at the center. They are a trusted guide in the natural hair care journey. Their subscribers receive high quality hair care and wellness products based on their hair texture and lifestyle. Their goal is to help black women grow healthy and natural hair. They believe that a healthy head of hair requires access to high quality products and mental health services. That's why they provide customized hair routines as well as access to wellness experts. Check out their products and services at blackhair.management. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Nana, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is uh, a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I heard that you were not sure you were femtech. Um, I think you're femtech. What do you think? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Well, okay. So in the startup ecosystem, when I was looking into all the terminology and just trying to figure out where our niche was, I don't come from a traditional tech background. I'm actually getting another master's in business analytics to have that technical background. But when I first launched the business, I was a non-tech female founder, and obviously I'm Black. So I wanted to do something, like when I was trying to deliver my value proposition, I wanted to position myself in a way that I was leveraging my strengths because coding and all that technical stuff back then, back when I launched, was not my strong suit. And I thought, especially, I was in the UK when I launched, so especially in the UK environment, they're heavy in like health tech, um, industry, um, insurance tech, property tech, all that good stuff. I'm like, ah, it kind of intimidated me. So like, I just stood away from that. But now that I'm more familiar with it, I'm getting more comfortable with that idea. But you know, it's, it's a touch and go. Let's, let's see how this is type of relationship. Well, you know, I think that it's interesting. You think that femtech requires technology because sometimes it's just tampons tampons are femtech right there ain't no there's nobody out there coding tampons right like you know what you know what that's true that's true and it's also depends on like who you ask right because i recently tried to raise around it was a dumpster fire but when you're raising around with invest with investors most investors are white men spoiler alert like when when you say femtech they're expecting 
some type of technology. And because most investors, that's that's their framework and they're white men and they expect technology, the definition of femtech all of a sudden incorporates and like incorporates technology inherently because the people who are investing in femtech expect Mm -hmm. some type of technology. So it is defined by the white male investor gaze for a lack of better words, because that's literally where the investment comes from. Yeah. And most of them think femtech is just females in technology. Like they can't, um, we are, we are broadening their horizons for them to realize that using the words women and technology in the same phrase doesn't always just mean, isn't it great women are in tech. It's actually like, we need to think about women are technology for women and how does it apply to them and how does it improve their life or not improve their life? You know, like, um, just the other day I posted on LinkedIn, an article that said, um, crash dummies for car testing. It wasn't until 10 years ago that they made the first Mm -hmm. ever female dummy. And so women are more likely to die and more likely to be injured in car accidents because all of the tests for decades have been done on male dummies. And so, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, yeah, when I talk about tech, I'm that's talking right. about like a dummy that has breasts. That's what I'm talking about. That is gross oversight. That is, that is, that, there's no excuse for that. And there's no excuse so, for that. I, I don't care. It, and it's like, still not even anyway, required. It's actually legally not even required that they have to use the female dummy. It's just that one was finally made 10 years ago. Yeah. So crazy stuff, absolutely crazy stuff. Well, let's. It's crazy. I, I'm just speechless. I'm just speechless. Keep going. Because men and women's bodies are different, right? So if you put them into a critical situation, like a car accident, you can expect that a female body might respond differently because typically they're smaller or they're both. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm just, okay. Okay, keep going. <laughs> Um, so let's kick off the interview already. I could tell we're going to be friends, but let's kick off the interview (laughs) with, uh, your background. Our listeners love to learn more about our guests, where they're from. It sounds like you were in the UK for a little bit, but like, sounds like America. So tell us about your background. What did you study? Did you have a career before this? And how did you end up here? Did I have a career before this? Yes. Um, I am a huge nerd. I worked in the higher education industry as an entrepreneur. I taught students how to go to college, grad school, or trade school scholarships. I've personally earned over $100,000 in scholarships to go to college and grad school. So right now, um, in, in May, I'm going to have four degrees. Out of the four degrees I have, I paid for one of them. So scholarships have been a really, really huge asset in my life. And And before this, um, I love traveling. I love culture. I love people. So I lived in Mexico for a minute. I lived in South Korea for a while. I was in London. I love traveling in general. Um, I I love, like, because I'm a nerd, I'm very curious. And I also... I love literature. Like I love books. I love talking about books. I love talking about the culture. So I wrote a book. I wrote three. I published my third book last year. Um, I'm a poet. I'm a writer. Um, I speak two and a half languages. So English, Spanish, and I'm learning Korean. I'm almost, I'm almost fluent in Korean. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy, I enjoy book clubs and talking with people. (laughs) 
my education background, I got my first two bachelors at the University of Houston, all on scholarships, a BBA in marketing and a BA in liberal arts because I am a nerd. I love culture. And then my first master's I got in London um, at Holt International School of Business. I have a master's of science in international business. And my second master's, I'm, I'm graduating in May. I'm getting a master's of science in business analytics. So. Oh my God. May I ask how old you are? I am 25. Dude, you're amazing. <laughs> and where are you living right now? I'm in Oakland. I'm in Oakland right now. Okay. Wow. 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 You, I, mm, I was a foreign exchange student in high school. I lived in France for a year. It totally changed my life because I finally realized the world did not look like Sussex County, New Jersey. Um, <laughs> like it was a oh, really? I know, crazy. <laughs> and so um, uh, I, I always am telling people, you got to travel. If not for, you know, pictures, but more yes. so for like literally broadening your horizons in terms of yes. what is capable in the world what is yes. possible in the world like I remember visiting Slovakia and they were like oh like this church is like was made in 400 and I'm like what do you like 400 years ago they're like oh no no like the year 400, 400. Like, what does that even mean like I don't even know what that means <laughs> you know exactly. and so as an entrepreneur when I think about what's possible I'm like dude anything anything yeah have you ever been to Rome like they built things with sticks and glue like oh I can do it I love it because now now here x number of years later my team is quite literally international and I have the pleasure of being able to run an organization that can touch so many people and that can incorporate so many stories too. And for me, that's natural. I am used to talking cross-culturally. I am used mm -hmm. to exploring different points of view and a different mindsets. I'm used to not having my experience centered. I didn't have to go abroad to, to experience that, number one. But like being in South Korea, right? Like having, having my experience in context of something else, especially as a Black American, and then seeing seeing what that means in literally a different language, a different culture, different norms. It's so, it's eye-opening, yes, but it's also fun and interesting. At least I think so because yeah. I like stuff like that. Yeah. And obviously I'm learning Korean, I'm a little biased. Like I really, really enjoy stuff like that. Well, it sounds like you're like me in terms of like, I actually find being uncomfortable quite amusing like yes. oh, it's a growth opportunity how amazing yes. and then there's other people that are like fuck growth and being uncomfortable dude <laughs> like, yeah. like the, the best part about traveling is going to a place where you don't speak the language you don't know where you're going and then just landing there and be and developing yourself in a new way you know what yeah. I mean like like adapting who you are in this new context because what I've learned is that people I mean obviously people are different but people are not as different as we make them out to be, mm -hmm. right? Like what people enjoy in South Korea and how people like to spend their time and connect with one another is the same thing in South Korea as in London. And it's the same thing in London as in Mexico. Yes, three different languages, three different contexts, but people on a very fundamental level are the same and they have very similar desires. And when you build that, you can find your own community literally anywhere you go. You, you are so cool. Seriously. All right. We're going to be friends. Um, like you don't have a choice. <laughs> we're going to be friends. We're going to travel. 
um, tell me about Black Hair Management Company. When did you start it during this journey? Were you living in another yes. country when you started it? Tell us about it. Yes, actually, yes to both of them. I was in another country when I launched BHM. So to understand BHM, you have to understand where I was at. I was a higher education consultant for about three years, and then I decided to go to grad school in London. And at that time, personally, for me, Nenna Umelo, I was at a point of transition. I love education. I'm a nerd. I love school. I'm obviously getting my master's again. But at that time, even though I loved my career, I did not feel like I was growing anymore. Like as a higher education consultant, I published a book. I went on tour. I advised a political campaign. I, I did everything. I talked at schools, interviews, you know what I mean? I did everything that I wanted to do. And I, it, there came a point in my career, I was asking myself, what next? Mm -hmm. What do I want to do that I have not done yet? Mm -hmm. Like I've always been interested in politics. Mm -hmm. Okay. I advised the campaign. Great. Wanted to go on tour. Did that book, did that interviews, did that. I made an online course about scholarships. What next? What have I not done yet? You know what I mean? And even though I love school, I love education, I found myself getting complacent and kind of bored because I was just doing the same thing over and over again. And then there came this opportunity in my mind. I was like, what if I went complete 180? What if I went in a complete different direction, which was startup at the point at the time, because I was like, oh, what if I could actually do this? What if I tried out this idea, something that I've been dealing with for years, and what would happen if I just tried it out? I'm going to a new country anyway. I might as well. Let's see what happens. So September 2019, I officially, I don't want to say abandoned, but I put to rest that part of my career. I closed that chapter. I have the online course. I'm monetizing my skill set that way, right? And I officially opened this new chapter in startup and I got excited again because I was in a whole new world. You know what I mean? Exploring new politics, exploring new people, context. Um, I learned very quickly what it meant to be a Black female founder, but I did not learn the reality of what that meant because I was brand new to startup. So I launched in the UK in um, September 2019, and I was very fortunate because I had three years under my belt as an entrepreneur. Like I'm not brand new to entrepreneurship, but I was brand new to startup ecosystem. I started working at an accelerator and doing grad school at the same time, and one thing led to another and things blew up. So in a good way, in a good way. So yeah, that's how, that's how I got here. So you said that you were solving a problem that of which you had been dealing with. What was that problem? So I've been natural for almost 10 years, but that doesn't mean I had any idea what I was doing. <laughs> that doesn't mean I had any idea what I was doing. I went natural when I was 16. And to let you guys know, I was raised by a loving single father who is bald. So he couldn't really help me when it comes to going natural or what that meant. Um, I had permed my hair for 16 years until I was just like, it's time for me to stop. I want to do something else. But I did not know how to take care of my natural hair. I did not know what my texture was. I thought I grew up in a white suburban area. I thought that shampooing my hair every day was healthy. <laughs> and I did not use any conditioner. 
And I did not even know what a deep conditioner was. It was so bad. It was so bad. And I had no idea like why my hair was felt like straw and it, and it had some like self self um, self esteem issues to mm-hmm. incorporate into that because I look at my hair and I literally felt defeated. And it's like something that physically grows out of your body. Like, you know what I mean? Like I felt defeated by something that comes naturally from me and I am 16 years old. So it wasn't the most positive experience. You know, it took me years, 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 years to realize that my texture is unique based on my texture. I can't be doing things that you see on TV or you see in the media. You know what I mean? And back when I started going natural, I did not see a lot of women who look like me or were talking about my texture. So to give you some context, I have texture like Viola Davis and Lupita. Like they are my texture. I did not know that, but they are my texture. I would see other black women, of course, but they had like these beautiful, large curls, Mm -hmm. like classic curls that you see on Instagram. That's not me. Literally, like my hair doesn't grow like that. And I was trying to get it to look like that. And it's never going to look like that without a wig. But I did not know that. And that was fucking me up. Sorry. But that was like messing up my mind. That was messing up my mind because I'm trying to attain this version of beautiful that I think is possible when it's physically impossible. Like my body does not do that. So it took me years to to undo that in my mind. Okay. A few questions, pretty naive questions, but so pre-natural, you said you were perming your hair. What does that mean? And like, what does that look like in the end? If I try to imagine you at 14 with permed hair, what does that look like? Um, (laughs) I've before, this is not good. Perming is basically the process of chemically straightening your hair so that um, it's easier to manage and you can braid it and you can lay it down. Um, It's basically going from my kinky coily hair now to like really straight, not thick, but really bone straight hair. Um, It's a chemical process. It literally breaks the protein bonds in your hair in order to get it straight. Um, And it's not, it's not good. (laughs) Um, I was perming my hair for years because that's the culture. That's how I was raised literally since I was, I mean, five, four, I I don't remember the first time I got you know what I mean? And again, you shouldn't perm a six-year-old. They're six. These are chemicals that can seep into your bloodstream. Don't do that. But again, I didn't know any better. You just go to the salon, get a perm, get braids, come back six weeks later, get it permed again. So I was getting my hair permed like every six weeks, 12 weeks for 16 years. (laughs) 16 years. Um, And it's not good. It's not good for your hair or your body. Mm -hmm. And I did not realize how bad it was until I was 16. But then like growing up and learning more about the chemicals, like it was messing up with my system. It is currently messing up with my system. And I did not realize just how bad it was until I was 21 and I developed polycystic ovarian syndrome. So yeah, it was, it's not good. And that's basically what it is. It's a process to literally straighten your hair to make it easier to manage. I use that word. Is that fair to say also? What? Is it fair to say that it also makes it wider, like in terms of what societal beauty looks like? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I I say get here with my straight pink hair. (laughs) So it's so crazy. I was never taught how to take care of this from birth. 
So perming is easier because we literally learn how to do it from, from a young age, right? But if I learned how to take care of what grew out of my head naturally, this would be easier. You know what I mean? This would be easier because I've been growing with this for the day I was, since the day I was born, right? Permed hair is not natural, but it's easier to take care of permed hair because we're conditioned that way. And it's harder to take care of hair that physically grows out of your body. Simply because the solutions and the guides aren't available, right? Okay. So another question I have was, you said, you know, my hair is this texture, this texture. Do we even have the right words for like your kind of hair versus other, you Mm -hmm. know, black women and men's hair? Yeah. So um, technically it's like a 4C texture and you can describe it as a kinky, coily, tight texture, tight coil. So there's a lot of stretch involved with this kinky coily hair. Um, So Lupita and Viola Davis, they have this kinky coily texture. Beyonce has like a type three texture. It's these, it's these nice, beautiful curls that you probably see on Instagram. Um, They're, they're like an S shape. So that's a type three texture. Type two is more wavy. And then type one is bone straight. Thank you again. Just naive questions. Like I didn't even know like that was, there was words for this. Um, uh, tell me about, I have some more black girl yes. hair questions that I want to yes. ask, but first let's talk about your company. So BHM, black hair management, what yes. solutions do you offer? What, what is the company do? So we are actually a wellness brand that specializes in hair care from personal experience. I know that you need more than just high quality hair care products to grow your hair because hair care is a function of wellness and well-being. If you're stressed, if you're grieving, or if you're having a really good day, all those things that that mental health aspect of it does impact the health of your hair, right? And you know this and everyone knows this inherently. Like when you just had a kid, you're stressed out, you're looking for a job, you're trying to take the bar exam, you're going to med school, you know, your hair might be one of the first things that goes out the window, right? Um, And we know that inherently, but when it comes to trying to take care of our hair, we focus a lot on products and taking chemicals out of your products, which is good, but we forget the other side of it. Your mental health, your physical health, your self-esteem, how you see yourself, your, your mindset, that is just as important as having the right products. And if you don't take care of both, you're going to have a hard time. I can give you a hundred dollar shampoo. I can give you top shelf deep conditioner, but if you just had a baby and you're going to med school at the same time, the products are not the problem. (laughs) You are stressed. You need a spa day. You know what I mean? So it's a holistic approach. When I, um, could see the imminent demise of my first startup (laughs) and the stress started to build up and build up and build up and I I was literally living with what felt like an elephant on my chest like I just couldn't breathe it was just like so intense and then I would take these showers and I mean clumps of hair clumps of hair and I would take a picture of me holding the hair of like after one shower and I'd take a picture and like show my friends and I'd cry and I started to see like some balding and like it was horrible. I was like, yes. my life's falling apart and my hair's falling out. Like, what the hell? Yes. You know? Yes. And now at the same time. At the same time. What's interesting is I actually went to the physician because I was like, maybe I have a thyroid issue because I apparently wasn't like 
woke enough to realize, oh, it's stress. <laughs> I was like, I have a thyroid issue. I know it. And so I went to the yeah. physician. We did blood work, totally fine and healthy in terms of like my stuff. But she said, yeah. um, did you just have a baby? And I was like, no, did not just have a baby. She's like, because this is what happens when women just have babies. Are you sure? And, like, <laughs> and I was like, do you have any other ideas? Because I'm going to let you know one more time. Did not just have a baby. Like, but in it, and I went to um, like a woman who was like an acupuncturist, more natural path. And she was like, oh, you're stressed as hell. Like, you're just like releasing, you know, you're shedding, you're shedding your stress. And yeah. so um, anyways, I've had personal experience with that. And it is like super jarring and especially for women, we're so pressured on terms of our hair and, you know, and me, yeah. I've always been very like a founder who's uh, forward facing in my company. So it's like Google image, like I have an SEO, you can see me. And so like that stress of like, people are going to see me, you know? Yeah. So what are the, uh, I'm assuming the self-care management is good for any kind of hair, right? Yes. Or is there yes. some specific Mental health is management? Period. Yeah. Yeah. And then you sell specific products for black hair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another thing that makes us different is from our competitors is that we're very intentional about how we help you grow healthy hair. So we understand that products work differently based on texture and it's on a scientific um, chemical macronutrient level. So based on your texture, if you have 4C or 1A or 2B, et cetera, we give you products based on your texture and your lifestyle um, to help you grow healthy hair. It's very intentional. So on our website, you know who our brand partners are because we tell you it's not a secret. What the value we have to offer you is that it's a very intentional guided process toward um, hair growth because I'm, 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 fully aware that we're not the only hair care subscription service there, but we are the only wellness brand that specializes in hair care. And we are very intentional. So you know what's coming. We guide you through the process so you can have healthy hair. Mm -hmm. What does healthy hair look like? Healthy hair feels like good, like a good spa day. Healthy hair feels like you are like you're you're cognizant of where you are. You feel you feel whole. You know what I mean. You feel centered. That doesn't mean everything in your life is going well, right? But like you yourself are a full human being operating in purpose, and it feels like you're hydrated. It feels like you're full. And the reason why I emphasize how you feel is because your hair is a function of your mental and physical health, right? So it feels hydrated. It feels soft. It feels warm. It feels familiar. Like when you're putting your, like something very simple that we take for granted, simply running your hands through your hair and knowing what's going on there, right? Like knowing how, how, moisturized and hydrated hair feels like and knowing what to expect if you haven't had a glass of water in the past two weeks because that will impact the health of your hair drink water you know what I mean you need to take care of yourself right but having that knowledge that confidence of knowledge that's what healthy hair feels like you are not afraid of waking up in the morning looking in the mirror you don't feel defeated because you know what's going on you know how to take care of what's growing out from you so that's what healthy hair feels like. I love that so much because you literally just turned my question back on me that it's not what it looks like. It's how it feels. I love that. Literally. 
Yeah, because the look will come. And like also the look is look as we covered is societal based and like ridiculous, right? Yes. Like <laughs> Um, and it's a function of how you feel like before this interview I was in Bantu knots I wanted to do a twisted I wanted to like blow out my hair and do a little bit of an afro so I took out the Bantu knots into the afro right like how it looks is a function of how you feel do you want twists do you want braids do you want an updo you know what I mean you have the ability to do any of that but healthy hair is based on how you feel mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I have some additional black girl hair question um do you notice that people uh without permission touch your hair more now that it's more textured rather than when it was straight oh how much time you got Brittany how much time how much time? <laughs> how much time how much time can we <laughs> we cannot stay on this podcast all day um yes <laughs> let's let's go with the short answer yes now post covid now that i'm not going anywhere no right but before in normal times yes um when i was in south korea i had a little more patience because some of the older koreans like i'm talking 80s 90s literally have never seen a black person in person like yeah. i've never seen a black individual and i'm talking about like they're 95, 82, the older generation. So sometimes they would like grab my hair and I'm like, okay. Like if I, if I move too fast, I might snap your wrist and I don't want to do that. So yeah. I get that. But in an American context, there is no excuse. I don't care how old you are. If you're 85 years old, you have seen a black person before. Don't touch. It's not a petting zoo. Um, um, so yes, there has been that issue. <laughs> there has been that issue, but I'm, I, I just keep it moving. Like I, I swipe away, I establish my boundaries and I move on because typically I'm too busy for that type of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, so I personally, like a lot of my listeners know I'm pretty candid on here. I am not perfect at all. Um, far from it. Yeah. And there was a few years in yeah. Houston. My best friend was, um, she was half black, half white. And she had kinky hair, but it was like tight curls. You could kind of see the curl, the spiral. Um, and mm -hmm. I can remember mm -hmm. we were, you know, we became really, really good friends. And one time we were out on a run or something and she was saying, oh my God. And then this person like touched my hair without my permission. And I was like, oh my God, why would they do that? But I flashed back to the first time I ever met her. And I remember doing it myself, like, like meeting her for the first time being like whoa your hair is yeah. like really different and fun and cool and like just touching it and I, yeah. I was like oh my god what's wrong with me like I even did that you know and now that I'm like really close to her I'm like that's horrible like why would anyone touch you without your permission like that's trash but it made me question me and it made me question like why is it that it since it's different hair all of a sudden like permission isn't required <laughs> it's like no I don't know that's like someone's body that body, literally, <laughs> literally, it's, it's yeah. part of my body. You can't touch my body without, without talking to me about it first. Yes. And the other question I had for you, uh, this one's a little personal, but also let's just make it in general. Like yeah. do black women struggle with the, the care of their pubic hair too? I, okay. So for me, I'm pretty, I don't know. I guess I'm pretty new age when it comes to when it comes to pubic hair. I like my pubic hair, but it also depends on like what mood I'm in. I also enjoy like a good Brazilian wax. Now, when it comes to pubic hair, though, when I was going through puberty and I was grow when I was growing through that, 
I had issues with ingrowns, like sincere issues. And back when I was younger, I did not know how to talk about it because my hair is so kinky and coily. Mm-hmm. It would grow into the pubic area. And that's why I would get like bikini waxes, yeah. like not bikini yeah. waxes, Brazilians. That's why back in the day when I was young, I used to use um, those chemical hair removers mm-hmm. on my pubic area. Don't do that. I was young. I did not know better. I did not read the label, but like it, it would hurt so much that like, you would get those ingrowns. And I did not know how to talk about it because I was 18. I was 17. I was 20 years old. I was super young and it would hurt. And just like, I had to, um, when I finally like got the nerve to talk about it and just realized it's just normal body hair. Right. Um, I learned that like, I have to almost like condition it, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like, like how I treat my hair on top, I just have to be more careful and, um, take care of that hair too. And like, literally like, massage it, brush it, take care of the skin underneath it because those ingrowns can get painful. And like, I would exercise them, like take a couple of tweezers and just start plucking it out um, because they can get really, they can hurt. Like they can dig into your body. And um, for a long time, I experienced like shame around that because it just made me so uncomfortable and walking around and stuff. And I did not know how to talk about it. Now I do, because I'm 25. Back then, it was the issue. Because I, I want to listen to how I built this, and it was the founder of um, uh, a company where it was like a special kind of razor for black men's uh, facial hair. And yes. he was talking about how black men's facial hair like grows in different, and like regular razors like results in these bumps, and they like, were using nair on their face. And he's like, "We need to do something." So I was, I, I guess, I was kind of wondering, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have yet to come across and maybe this is my I have not actually straight up googled this but like black women's pubic hair care company yeah. because that, like I can imagine like the expectations of the society of like it should be clean but yeah. like if if you're telling me that black girls pubic hair is similar to how it grows on their head I can imagine a lot of issues and like and I don't hear anyone talking about that yeah and like I don't either and at least not publicly like this. Mm-hmm. And personally, I did this. That's why I'm recommending against it. Don't shave. <laughs> the worst thing you can do is shave. The worst thing you can do is shave. Also, don't use chemical hair remover. I know, saying it out loud. Of course not. But I did. But, don't do it. What else it's would not you good think for your options you. would be, right? Like if you weren't listening to this exact episode, what would you think? You know, like there tweezers. Brazilian, like just like waxing it all off and then having an esthetician like go through it and like pluck out the rest, you know what I mean? Like exercise that. And then um, doing like a bra- like a sugar scrub to exfoliate and like um, having like a little serum on top to cool the skin and stuff. Like honestly, a spa day treatment, um, if it's really, really bad for you, that's what I would recommend. And then keeping that area like nice and dry, not, not dry, dry, but you know, like air it out, take care, take care of yourself. Um, and keep, keep track of it and try to like do that routine depending on how fast your hair grows, but do that routine as the hair 
grows out. So you can take that out and prevent those ingrowns from coming in so that when your hair grows back and if you enjoy a nice full bush, it won't grow back into your pubic hair. And if it does, then do the process again. It's so painful. It's so painful. I really do feel you. And that's such, it's, it's interesting when you bring that up because I have not heard of a startup or any- you're in black hair management, right? That is such, I, I could diversify into that because yeah, I, have, I have women on my team who have that experience. I mean, we all have that experience, but like scientifically who understand um, how it grows. That is such a good idea. Um, I really hope you become a unicorn company. And one day you're like getting interviewed by Guy Raz and he's like, so like, where did you start? You're like, well, it used to start with the head hair, but then I talked to this lady. <laughs> she asked me about her pubes. And it changed. <laughs> and everything. I decided to turn my attention to the vulva. <laughs> well, the pubic bone. Well, we I, need attention there. Too. Yep. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that I love how these conversations go because, like, this wasn't me pitching you an idea. It was like legitimately asking, like, I. Yeah. don't have in my life currently a close enough black woman friend for me to ask her openly about her pubes. Like I, op I openly talk about vulvas, but I also am very respectful of like, I just talk about mine. And if you want to talk about yours, like you, you offer that up. I'm not, you know, going to probe. So I really appreciate yeah. you letting me yeah. ask. Cause I was like, also like, maybe there's all these products I just don't know about out there, but it sounds like there's actually a huge opportunity. Um, yeah, it is a huge opportunity. Something that I'm going to consider and actually do some <laughs> into I, like, but I gotta go and the interview I gotta I gotta go do some research <laughs> um what are some of the future goals for black hair management so right now our huge our focus is brand awareness and building trust because I me personally as a founder I am very analytical I'm very systematic I like to be organized I spent the first year from September 2019 until like our customer facing launch November 2020 validating our business model I did not start off as a subscriber D2C model. I was like, I think I was marketplace for a little bit. I was doing a B2C model. I was validating my business model. I was validating my revenue model and I was doing so on a budget. So it took me a year to validate all of that. And I did all of that in the UK. So now November, 2020 came along and we opened up the customer facing piece. And I realized that no one knows who I am. I spent a year researching them, validating this business model, building brand partnerships, all the boring stuff that no one really cares about. But now I need to spend the next year really building up our audience because the natural hair community is a loud, crowded community. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also expensive. So since we're less than two years old, I need to invest more time in getting people to know us. So like, I want to I want to be more on more platforms like yours and um, be featured in more editorials and just get people to really understand our values and what we stand for because we are a wellness brand. And one thing that I'm really proud of and passionate about our brand is that we, we know it is short-sighted to be a wellness brand without addressing the systemic <clears throat> issues that, that 
injure our well-being. So I'm really, really loud when it comes to social advocacy, social justice. I love collaborating with organizations like She Should Run when it comes to increasing female representation because that matters and that's going to help our well-being in the in the in the long run. So we are a different brand and my goal for the next year is getting people to understand what we stand for. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it so much. Uh, however we can help you, we're going to help you. Like, this is so important. Um, I have two last questions for you that our listeners really love. The first one is if someone wanted to start a femtech company, what's an area in women's health and wellness that still needs innovating? Other than pubic hair. Yeah. I was like, other than that's already taken. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's such a good question. What needs innovating? Oh my goodness. Oh. Okay, 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 okay. I, um, a part of my platform is like ending colorism, literally. And um, seeing like, understanding the beauty that comes in different shades because my background, I'm an Igbo woman, my family's Nigerian and colorism is an issue issue in, in the, in the African diaspora. So it would be, it would be such a wonderful social justice initiative. If we had, I don't want to call it media, but if we had a way of like reprogramming our biases to understand and recognize the beauty in all shades you know what I mean like like from the darkest hues to the lightest tones um and I'll give you a personal example my niece she's super light skin still black um and then I also have friends who are super super dark as well sometimes even within our own community we don't recognize the light 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 skin brown girls as brown girls black comes in different shades like not i am i'm relatively fair tone in a Igbo nigerian context but there are women who are lighter than me and they're still black and there are women who are darker than me and they're still black and me and she being darker than I am doesn't make her more black than I am. And my niece being lighter than I am doesn't make her less black than I am. And somehow like, like something to help us recognize that, that these, that, that these different shades are all, are all black and all gorgeous in their own way. Um, and I'm, and I'm talking in a more technical, in a technical space, because are you, are you familiar with the Facebook AI um, recognition tools and the issues they have with recognizing black people? Right. Yeah. We need, we need to recognize <laughs> different shades of black, not just for our own mental health, but like when facial recognition becomes more widespread, which I believe it will, like we can slow it down because there are issues with that programming, but I don't think we can eliminate it. I always, I believe that facial recognition to an extent will be used by governments around the world in the next 30 years, right? So instead of trying to stop it, we need to incorporate different faces into that algorithm, starting with us. Like we need to recognize different shades of black and then incorporate that into the technology that's going to be part of our everyday lives. So that's, that's my long answer. <laughs> I 
think it's super, super important. In fact, it reminds me of a episode on NPR's rough translation, through line rough translation that just came out the other day was saying um, there are, there was, you know, they're telling these stories of people who in Brazil, they're considered- I listened to the episode. Yeah, and then they were considered black in Brazil. But then when they came to the US, and they identified as someone of color, like everyone was like, no, you're white, dude. And then there's, it's just all these stories of like, based on where you are, like you're considered different race. And it actually had like consequences in terms of how you were treated or whether if, if there was one girl who was like uh, half Mexican and like in the summer, she'd get really tan and be discriminated against. But in the winter, she would like lose her tan a little bit and then have more consequences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like- yeah um so interesting interesting yeah I I don't know the solution to that uh but I totally support it because if we are not comfortable in our skin identifying with whatever it is you know knowing what our hair is supposed to be naturally versus what chemicals you know do to it our health and wellness it has consequences for it yeah Um, our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Oh, more Black female founders. Yes. <laughs> more women. And more like, y'all, it is hard out here. There's not many of us out here. We are very supportive of our own. If you are a Black woman, folk person, please come in, please. We need your ideas. We need your support. We need your prayers. Lord, these people are trying to try us. <laughs> they they truly are trying. Uh, oh my goodness. But do not let them take away your edges. It's not worth it. Like we need y'all. We need, please, please come, come in droves. Take over the capital. Come on, come, come, come. I am calling you. We need you. We need you now. Come, come. This is the. This is your sign. This is your sign. Come. We need you. I I absolutely love it because um, we interviewed Kimberly Seal Ailes from uh, like almost a year, maybe not a year ago, but like back in like September, August. And she was one of our first black guests. And I said, I've been really struggling to find other black female founders in femtech. Like, how can I find more? And she was like, you're not looking hard enough and you're not looking in the right places. And like, she told me on the people can go back. It's our bonus episode on black maternal health, but you can go back and listen. She like, let me have it in the interview. Like you're just not looking hard enough. And I was like, duly noted. Okay. And like now we, since that, like we've had, I think, a very great diversity in our speakers, but um, we had to start looking different places instead of PitchBook, instead of Crunchbase, we looked at local forums and blogs, you know, like different community groups yeah. rather than like, let's see who's in Silicon Valley. It's like, well then girl, <laughs> from one pond, Valley, you know, like. I'm not in Silicon Valley. <laughs> if you looked in Silicon Valley, you would not find me. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. And so. Uh, we're just broadening our horizons and and obviously you're you're addressing something that's unique to you know something you've experienced right I'm not going to start that company (laughs) like (laughs) right like so you just let us know how we can support you this has been such a fun interview you're amazing you're awesome um fantastic work yay thank you so much for having me I appreciate it and I love open honest conversations like this this is this is my jam so thank you
Thank you for listening to my interview with Nena Umelo, the founder and CEO of Black Hair Management. We don't always have episodes on our podcast about hair care, but I hope you can see in this interview the extent to which hair care in the Black women's community is so much about wellness. So learning about the chemicals that many women are putting in their hair is just crazy. So I'm so proud and happy that Black Hair Management exists. Be sure to check out their services and products at blackhair.management. Alrighty, Femme fans, please join our Femtech Focus virtual community and subscribe to our newsletter at femtechfocus.org. In our virtual community, you can become a Femme Pro member for only $10 a month and get access to our library of Femtech content. We also has the recordings of our past summit if you missed that or if you were there and you were like, I got to watch it again. So become a FemPro member. It's only $10 a month. It also gives you free access to our bi-weekly FemTech Fundamental webinars. These are webinars for founders to learn how to build, launch, and succeed. Um, we also have lots of free events like Monday night listening parties, monthly book club, and weekly office hours on Clubhouse. There's a lot going on, so definitely subscribe to the newsletter to stay up to date. And please consider setting up a recurring donation to us. Femtech Focus is a 501c3 nonprofit and relies on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.